All right, now we want to welcome senior writer at NHL.com, Dan Rosen, as well as the host of the NHL at the Rink podcast. Dan, first of all, thank you very much for joining us and, and taking the time out of the day to, to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, so around Ranger World, big issue, big topic of conversation right now, obviously the Capococco injury on Monday against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, the Rangers bringing up Johnny Brzezinski uh, to fill that role right now. One for Kako, obviously this is a contract year for him. Um, many would say he obviously hasn't shown much offensively throughout his first few years in the NHL, just um, how obviously it's not a season ending injury uh, as reported by the team, but uh, for Kako, how, how tough is this for him to get injured at this moment? It's a debilitating injury for him personally, professionally for the team. It's a tough spot because he has not been off to a good start. He hasn't performed the way he wants to perform, especially in a contract year. And, and now we don't know how long he's going to be out, but we know it's going to be long-term. So let, let's just say he's out till February, January, February. And I'm just speculating. I don't know. So that gives him the opportunity to come back and make a name for himself again, but he's coming off of a major injury. So it's a real tough spot for Kako. The Rangers are going to go on without him. The NHL goes on without guys when they're hurt. You know, that happens. And if the Rangers go on without Kako and they continue to play the way that they're capable of playing and the way they have for the first quarter of this season, honestly, they might look at it and say, is this guy now expendable? Right. I mean, where, where are we at here? Or they could look at it and say, we know the ability is there. We know the talents there, but you know what? He's coming off of an injury plague season. He didn't put up numbers. We can get him on the cheap in his next deal. Right. I mean, so there's, there are those things that factor in, but this is a debilitating injury for Kako. He was already off to a tough spot, tough start. Uh, he is a guy driven by confidence. And when he doesn't have it, his game falls apart. And we have seen that with him. And he also is a, he thinks too much. I think Kako, he, he thinks about his position in the lineup. He thinks about his position within the coach, you know, what the coaching staff thinks about him. I think that's plagued him actually for parts of this, you know, his career. And this is not going to help, but maybe he comes back stronger and better. And he, if it's not the season ending, as they say, he will get an opportunity again. Well, for the time being, in his absence, the Rangers have Johnny Brzezinski in that right wing spot. Is he that long term fix for this team, or do you feel like they need to go out and and obviously now Patrick Kane's off the board, but go out and, and fix that right wing position? Well, I mean, here's the thing: Filipito's going to come back at some point, right? And, and so, when Filipito comes back at some point, you have other you have options to move guys around, move guys up or down in the lineup. Um, it gives you a, a surplus of centers, but it's the position you'd rather have a surplus in rather than a surplus of right wings or a surplus of left wings and guys that can't play the middle. Centers can usually move and bounce around. So that's a good thing for them. The cap space isn't really going to be there for them. I mean, it, it's, I understand they have a couple of guys here on long-term injured reserve. They've already used some of the LTIR money because of the goaltending situation when it was Shesterkin out and they had to bring up Domingue and all that. And so... I don't know that they're going to be able to have the cap space to go out and make any significant move. I also don't know that they're going to have the need to go out and make any significant move. Sometimes we overlook, we, we, we overlook what's right in front of us. We'll see where this team is at come February because we don't know right now, but if from all indications of what I see, I see a team that's got chemistry that plays well together. It's going to insert eventually a guy who is a very important piece in Philip Heedle into their lineup. 
And I would let that ride for a while without even considering making any other moves. Yeah, actually, you bring up a, a really good point and something I've been thinking about as well. If something's going so well as it has been for the Rangers. You know, is there a need to add at the uh, at the trade deadline if, if you got a team that that vibes really well together and, you know, plays really well together? Yeah, I, I think that happens all the time. And and because it's the trade deadline and it's the flashy thing and people want to look at that. And I mean, we're talking trade deadline. It's still three plus months away. I mean, we got to go through December, January and February before we're there. So a lot can happen between now and then. But if you got something going right, don't look to change it. Why fix what's not broken? And this team right now, as we speak, they're what, 16-4-1. and one. They have not lost back-to-back games. They're incredible so far at self-correcting, right? I mean, they didn't play well against the Buffalo Sabres on Monday and lose 5-1. What do they do? They come back with a strong performance, get 41, I think, shots on goal, 40 or 41 shots on goal against the Red Wings. Control the pace of that game, control that game, and, and end up, winning it in the end because they earned it, you know, and, and that was the thing that they did against the Red Wings. They they were down, but they came back because they earned it. And they're very good at self-correcting. They have chemistry. They have deep pairs that work when healthy. Uh, they have lines that seem to work. Lafreniere is playing out of his mind right now. So is Panarin. That line, that, that chemistry is terrific. Um, I wouldn't fix if nothing's broken. Why, why even look to fix it right now? Yeah. I'm glad you bring up the consistency. I had to dig deep for this one. It was the first time since 1978, 79 that the Rangers went through the months of October and November without losing back-to-back games. That being said, there were ties in the, in 78, 79. So uh, a little bit different than it was right now, but coming back to today, Adam Fox returning uh, on Wednesday night to go play against the Detroit Red Wings. Just, you know, you can't say enough about how how much he means to this to this team and this lineup when he's in there. Um, just you know, being able to have him back, what that does to the confidence of this team that it's already pretty high on confidence. Well, you know what you did. You saw, especially in the first and second period against the Red Wings, you saw how smooth the puck moved when he was on the ice. Whether it was the power play or even strength, it, it's just there was just like that that calmness and and a level of just confidence that puck is going to go in the right place it's it's a and i think that makes a big big difference too on their power play to have that right-handed shot there instead of a left-handed shot it makes a big difference to how it's the puck has moved uh his ability to turn and go you know to the right side where where panera might be and then look for the seam or back to you know zabanajad it makes a difference i think uh, to have that right shot there and, and he's one of the best in the league in that spot to begin with and now you have him back there was a the, the, they just looked confident with him on the ice, and I think he lost his legs a little bit in the third period against the Red Wings, and that that's going to come back. That's going to happen, and it's going to come back, right? I mean, he's he missed ten games, he missed almost a month the season, and and he got in a few practices. He'd been skating, but you got to get back into that game speed, and he had it, and then lost it, I think, a little bit, and he'll be fine. It's a huge, uh, it's an obviously huge addition to their lineup. But the fact is, they were seven, two, and one without him and Heedle, and that's really impressive. Well, in that, can you talk about just what Eric Gustafson meant to to this team, and still obviously means to this team? He's still in the lineup every night now, bumped down to that third pairing, but to be able to step in into Fox's role and you know, and for the most part, do the job plus some. 
Yeah, he he looked really good in those ten games that Fox was out. I don't think he looked that great against the Red Wings the other night, but he looked really good again. You know, with Fox out of the lineup, he's an offensive defenseman. He knows his role. He plays it well. He's got a big body. Uh, he moves the puck really well. He's not afraid to jump up in the play. He's got a history with Peter Laviolette. Laviolette knows exactly how this guy plays. Won't put him in a position that he's going to play that that he's not comfortable in. And and I think it really did work. So that's a, th- this has been a really good signing. For, for the Rangers, you, you think about some of their signings that they've had in the offseason, you know, Jonathan Quick has been terrific in net. I thought Gustafson made a huge difference, especially in those 10 games. Benino has been solid, not producing, but he's been solid winning faceoffs. Wheeler's playing in a top line role. Um, you know, at times you wonder, like, could they fix that situation there? Is he the right guy for that situation? But it wasn't Kako, and since Wheeler's gone there, it's not as if Kreider and Zibanejad have gone the wrong way. They've actually gotten better, I think. So, And he's shown he's not the quickest player, but he's shown some jump at times. So, And Pitlick's been solid. I mean, I, I think their signings have been good, but Gustafson, the way he stepped up in those 10 games without Fox is, is a, was a huge plus for the team, and it really it gives them another option. They understand the offensive dynamic that he has now. I'm glad you mentioned that top line as well with how well, and we've seen it in the past that these three play together with how well Jimmy Vesey's playing right now. Do you think it could be an opportunity for him to, to get some minutes on that top line possibly? It it goes back. Yes. It, it's yes, it does. It, but it, to me, it goes back to, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like I would let it go. Honestly, I would let it go right now and, and leave it to where it is. And, and if you find yourself in a position where, Things go a little stale, and it's going to happen eventually, right? Where things go a little stale, you lose a couple of games, you're not happy with That's when you rejigger things right now. But they had the one game against Buffalo, and really it was one period against Buffalo that they didn't like. I know the game got out of hand late in the third period, but that wasn't it wasn't a 5-1 game, right? Um, but it was that one game against Buffalo that they did not like. I think they came back with a strong performance against Detroit. Now let's see if they can... They can roll that over into their next several games, and you keep it the way it is right now. It isn't hurting them having Blake Wheeler, uh, you know, at the top line right wing now with Zabanajad and Kreider. It's not. It's not hurting the lineup. Uh, could VC VC's playing well? But part of that too is VC's playing well, and he's given them some four line depth too. Well, Mika's starting to get going a little bit. The power play goal against uh, Buffalo, you really start to see him click when he's, you know, it sounds stupid, but hitting the net on the power play, you know, when he's a a little off, he's missing high and wide. And uh, good to see him hit the net on the power play against Buffalo. And then uh, yesterday against Detroit, setting up Keandre Miller for the tying goal. Uh, Just how this team was able to be as successful as they were without him going at the start of the year. And now what he means to the team being, uh, you know, sort of back to his, his regular self. Well, the thing is every time Mika Zibanejad's on the ice, he's a threat, right? I mean, he, he, even if he's not going, he's a threat. If he's not hitting the net, he's still a threat because you never know when he's going to, and that shot's going to get wired into the top. And, and, you know, he's got one of the best from that spot. Uh, that he's producing now, that's good for him, and that's good for his confidence. But I think he was the least of anybody's concerns on the New York Rangers when he wasn't producing. He was he was still playing a solid game. It, it it just wasn't going in, you know, or it wasn't. It was the shot was two inches wide left, or two inches high, or two inches to the right, and it just wasn't there. Uh, he like any goal scorer when you when you pot a few, you start to feel really good uh, about your ability to put it in. Zavanajad's no different in that in that way in that way of thinking. But again, I mean, I thought his overall game was still pretty solid. And now, when you're getting the extra offense from him, that's that's 
it's not a bonus because you need him to score, but it's a bonus now because he was doing all the other things too. I, this might be a little bit of a stretch to ask, but you know, Selkie nomination when it comes to, to Zibanejad, do you think that's a possibility? Um, you know, maybe this year down the road, cause he has, he has really emphasized his defense and, you know, it looked like that at the start of the year as well. I think it should be. I mean, I think he is one of the top two way centers in the game. Um, we look at Mika Zibanejad, and when you see him, you see the hair flowing, you see him flying around the ice, you see the shot on the power play, the drive to the net, the chemistry with Kreider, all of the, the friendship with Kreider, all of that stuff. But he works hard in the defensive end. He's on the ice on PKs. He takes the, you know, he he handles tough assignments too. So yeah, I I think so. I, I think if we're gonna talk about Mika Zibanejad and, and you know, you talk if you talk about guys like Alexander Barkov and, and Andre Kopitar, uh, I think Nico Hishier belongs in that conversation. JT Miller now. I think Mika Zibanejad belongs in that conversation. And going back to that Kako injury very quickly, you know, I think the first thought of a lot of Ranger fans was, are we going to see Brennan Othman now come up uh, and play that right wing? I know he's listed as a left wing, but um, do you think the Rangers at some point during this, uh, during this Kako injury, give a look to, uh, to Othman? Well, he's a hundred thousand dollars more than Johnny Brodzinski. Right. And that's really what it, it, it comes down to dollars and cents. Sometimes I also think in terms of not just money in this situation, like let's get Brennan Othman a full season in Hartford. Let's see this, this young promising potential star forward play his first season of professional hockey through it and, and, and thrive in that environment. It's not like they brought up some minor league scrub. Johnny Brunzinski is leading the American hockey league in scoring. He's the captain of the Hartford team right i mean so he comes in and he doesn't have to feel the pressure of being a point producer for this team of being a you know a first round pick making his debut he comes in he's going to fill a role and he's going to he's going to play it to his ability he plays with a ton of speed i know labulet liked him from training camp uh they've liked him in hartford for obvious reasons he's scoring there i think he had 25 points in 16 games or something like that so he comes up Give Othman time. Let him breathe down there. I don't have any problem. And plus, yeah, it's $100,000 more that I would have to go on their cap that they wouldn't have later on. All right, so let's wrap up with why everybody turns on the NHL every single night, and that's shot blocking, obviously. Jacob oh, yeah. Truba, <laughs> Jacob Truba, <laughs> Nick Benino, uh, huge contributors to shot blocking this year. Uh, came to a fold last night as well against Detroit. Two huge shot blocks at the end by uh, both Goodrow and uh, and Jacob Truba. Just how much of an emphasis this has become on this team, and I guess you can call it, for, for lack of a better phrase, an epidemic, these shot blocks for, for the Rangers this year. Listen, if you can get in front of it, and not let it get to your goalie and you're going to get a clean block on it. So it doesn't deflect to a different area. Do it right. I mean, the one, the block that Truba had, I I, I think it was on to uh late, late in the game, really like with like 10 seconds left in the game against the Red Wings. Perfect block. He's in good position to a terrific shooter. Great shot. Right. And to bring it in a, in, in a prime scoring position. Truba knows if he goes down, he can get that shot. You got to lay out and do it. Why let it get to your goalie and take that chance. Shot blocking is people sometimes say like, oh, shot blocking is an art form. I've heard that before. No, it's not like shot blocking is get down, get dirty. There's no artistic element to it. It's it's just get down, get dirty and hope it doesn't smash you in the face. But they do it well. They, and and Truba's, Truba's played really well. 
this season. I got to give that guy a lot of credit. I mean, he, he plays really well. And I said it last night in the press box, I said, if I was a player on the other team and Jacob Truba came on the ice, the first place I'd be going is right back to my bench. Well, don't talk about artistry and Jacob Truba together. Apparently the, uh, yeah. uh, they didn't like it too much in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, no, but he is an artist now. He is a painter. So true. maybe there is, is there is a little something to that. No, they, they don't like, wherever he hits guys uh, it's in <laughs> pittsburgh they're still complaining about it but that's what they do um but no i mean he has he's that type of player there there are so few and far between now in the national hockey league uh and as a fan of the game for a long time i i think there's a need for it i mean it's a physical game and you that's okay if you get physical as long as it's in the within the boundaries of the rules and then obviously with this being one of the better starts in franchise history, do you think this is, you know, a, a product of Laviolette coming in and, and getting the best out of, out of these guys right at the start? This is what Peter does. I mean, he, this is his track record. He, he goes to a team and that team gets an immediate bump because what he does is he typically will take over for a coach um, who has either, you know, maybe lost his way with that team. The, the message isn't getting through anymore and the structure breaks down and he will come in and he's got very clear structure on how he wants his team to play. There is no bending those rules. If you're going to play, you're going to play that way. If it's a one, three, one through the neutral zone, whatever it is, man on man defense, you know, defending in the D zone and the guys buy in and they buy in. Like he is, he's a, he's a very good coach. There's a reason he is one of the top coaches all time in the national hockey league. And the Rangers are getting that bump. They they are they are understanding too, and Mika's a manager that talked to me about it last night after the win against Detroit. They're understanding what makes them successful, and what makes them successful is playing the way that Peter Laviolette is coaching them to play. But he's done this before. He's he, we've seen this bump before from the teams that Peter goes to. It works. That's why they hired him. All right, Dan Rosen, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate you taking the time out of the day to to come and talk with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.